Good morning. So good to see you again. Welcome to those at the Cove campus and watching online. Uh, thrilled about the new series that we're in. Uh, a lot of the team has been working on things that you're already seeing, kind of visually and graphic, even some there's special music that you're going to get uh, we're going to be singing together and enjoying over this series. So I'm just thrilled uh, that we have a chance to lean into God's Word in, in a way. We, we tend to do that over the course of a year. It's going to make, make our way through uh, a New Testament book and then an Old Testament book. And so the, the narrative of the Old Testament uh, and a story like Joshua, I just hope, really connects with you. And I hope it's, there are things in God's Word through this story and through this account of God's people moving into the Promised Land that's going to be helpful to you. Stephen mentioned an opportunity for you to get connected to church. I just want to highlight that too. As people are getting connected to Sunday morning gatherings, one great way to be part of the body, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week, is in a grow group. And so grow groups are small groups of adults, men and women, that gather during the week to talk about God's word. And, and they often talk about what was the thing that God spoke to them on Sunday. And so working through a book like Joshua, it's a chance for you to sit down with some others and not just hear the word, not just hear, well, what is God saying in his scripture, but how to apply the word. And so our grow groups do a great job of saying like, hey, how can we help apply this teaching? And you begin to not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word and begin to live out practically the things that God is showing you. And so grow groups are great. And the thing I love about grow groups is with a church with two campuses and, and a church that we pray that God would continue to allow it to grow is working through what we talk about on Sundays and the discussion questions throughout the week with a, with a small group. It's something that we can all do together. So when we leave here, it's a way to stay connected to the scriptures that we're all working on, that we're all hearing, uh, that God is using on Sunday morning, then set us up during the week for great conversations, great challenge, great encouragement. And so Will will be here at the downtown campus, and there'll be someone at the Cove campus as well that will tell you more about how to be part of a grow group uh, in the, in the, at the hub after the service is over. Love to tell you more about that. The book of Joshua is thought of in this way. It's a book about transitions. And so traditionally, when people look at the book of Joshua and they study it, they see this movement. They, they see a change from one location to another, from one leader to another, and how God's people navigate transitions and what's God's activity in those transitions. So you're going to see that within really the first few verses as we open up the, the word this morning, because there are always transitions that we walk through as well. Some of you are headed to a new grade, a new school. Some of you, it's a new job, maybe a new place to live. There are new relationships. Maybe you're moving from single to being married or married to now with children. Maybe the transition that you're looking at right now is what it looks like to retire and, and what it looks like to move away from a job. Those are transitions that we often in our mind are ready for. They feel like good transitions. We're conver having conversations about those. But what about a transition about a job loss? What if you get let go? What if actually you lose a spouse or a parent? What if your health isn't getting better, but it's getting worse? And I think it's this new place, maybe even an unexpected place, that you find yourself in that now requires something. It, it requires a certain amount of courage on your part. It requires a certain amount of endurance and perseverance. And the book of Joshua offers us help in that. 
Because the faith that we need or the courage that we need or the strength that we need to navigate unexpected and new transitions, the fuel for that, where that faith and where that courage comes from are the promises of God. That there is something steadfast underneath. That there is something underneath that is holding us together. There is something prevailing, even when the circumstances, and you're going to hear that a lot this morning, that even when the circumstances appear confusing and things seem difficult and new and unexpected or hard, there is something underneath that. And so as we look at God's people moving into the promised land, which the book of Joshua is about that, God's people moving from this wilderness wandering under Moses to finally going into the promised land and kind of laying hold of the the promise of God that he's given them. They're going to fight battles. They're going to overcome obstacles. and, And we need that. Like we need the things that they're learning and the things that God is doing so that we too can overcome battles, navigate our obstacles and walk through our own transitions. That's why this book is going to be great. I hope, I hope you're, you'll hang with us over the next few months. So let's open it up. Let's jump in Joshua chapter 1. And let's just read the first nine verses or so. But we'll settle into just a, a small section. And we're going to be in Joshua 1 next week as well. The second half of that. And so feel free to read. Read ahead. Take some notes along. And then we're going to be back together next Sunday to cover a little bit more of this. So verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because I will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you and do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It's a great opening section, right? The, the challenge, the charge, you, you're hearing God speak into Joshua at the very end. It's like, you know, do not be discouraged, right? Do not be afraid because he is like, you can just, you can understand like that's where he is right now. This new transition, it's unexpected. It's new. It's challenging. It's daunting. All of that. He's facing it. And I love the way the book opens, Uh, In verse one, it says, after the death of Moses, a lot, you know, a lot of our stories begin once upon a time or in a galaxy far, far away, right? But this story begins with this after the death of Moses and literally, literally what this says is, and it came to pass. And so I, I want you to hear this, that the story of Joshua starts with an and. 
And it came to pass. The story of Joshua starts with an and, and I know it may seem like a small point, but I want to explore that with you for a minute because I think it's important for us to understand what he's experiencing, that the story is connected to something before it. That Joshua's moment, this transition that he's walking through, is connected to something that goes back. In fact, it's connected to Moses. It opens up about Moses' death. And if it's about Moses' death, then it also is connected to the wandering of Israel for 40 years under Moses' leadership. And you could go back a little bit farther than that, because if it's connected to Moses, well, Moses received the commandments at Sinai, the law. He helped Israel pass through the Red Sea for an exodus to free them from slavery and Egyptian, the Pharaoh oppression. But even beyond that, even beyond Moses, how did Israel even get there? Well, Israel got there because Joseph settled there. And Joseph became a man of prominence there, an influential leader. But Joseph ended up in Egypt because his brothers were jealous and sold him into slavery. And so you go from Joseph to Jacob to Isaac to Abraham even, all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, where God says to Abraham, go. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. This story that Joshua appears in is a story that has been playing out for centuries. It's, it's an old story. And so Joshua is part of a, of a larger story that predates him. And I would offer you that you're going to discover, I hope, that you're part of a larger story too. That you're part of a larger story too. We, we often feel that our story just starts. That we weren't here and now we are. And I have these few short days to do as much as I can good, hopefully more good than bad, hopefully have my days filled with more pleasure than pain, and, and kind of to make the most of these short days that I have, and then it's over. But realize when, when Joshua enters into the story, the story has already been going on, that there is a long history here, there's something going on, that Joshua's life is not just an unexpected series of accidents and circumstances that he's just supposed to sort. Flipping through the TV channels over the last couple of weeks, I've realized that there are certain movies that get played a lot. And the movie that I'm seeing right now that seems to be on every week is Forrest Gump. So I pause. Right? I watch a movie that I'm pretty familiar with that I've seen many times. And it's a big story. It's big characters, big circumstances and situations. Just wild, right? The, the, the storyline of Forrest Gump. Well, in the movie, at, towards the end, Forrest is standing at the graveside of Jenny and he's talking to her and he's, he's getting philosophical. He's talking about life and he's reflecting back and he says, I wonder, I wonder if life is like what Lieutenant Dan says, that it has purpose. Or I wonder if life is more like what my mom says. It's like a feather kind of floating around on a breeze and if you wait to the very end of the movie, actually a breeze comes by and picks up a feather and it just kind of floats in the sky and then the movie's over. So they're telling you a little bit, they're, they're hinting a little bit at what they think life really is. It's just being bounced. It's happenstance. It's, it's circumstances that are really beyond your control that you try to make the best of and good luck. Hopefully you make more good decisions than you do bad decisions. And this life, 
that is filled with disconnected moments of chance and circumstance. It's not a new idea. That idea has been around for a long time, that it's just you, and it's just you and what you do today. And hopefully living today, you can achieve some momentary satisfaction. This idea has been around. The Apostle Paul actually pushed back on this idea in Philippians chapter 3 as he talked about the mindset of God's people versus a earthly mindset in which you're just trying to fill your days with more pleasure than pain. And as Joshua opens, what you realize is the way Joshua starts is there is something longer. There is something more enduring. There is something more grand that's being offered. That when God begins to offer us this beginning, what we feel as the beginning of something new or something unexpected, some transition that you're walking through, that we realize is that your life is connected to something someone, something significant. I was having lunch with Josh Price, our worship pastor this week, and we were just talking about all kinds of things. And then he got on the topic of talking about young worship leaders that are connecting with Rivertree that he is really excited to work with. And that he said this comment, he said, man, I just think if they would follow their calling and they would kind of hone their skills and their gifts that they're going to be up on stage at some point leading worship and sharing the gospel and see a thousand students come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as he said that, I started to get excited, but I was like, wait, wait, you're saying that like what we do with these young worship leaders is going to be connected to the decision point and the conversion of a thousand other students. That's what I heard him say. Like, what an amazing thought that their lives and what they do now could be influenced and used for eternity, that if people are living out their calling to the glory of God, with the promise of God, that that living it out can then help others experience the same hope and the same promise of God, that our lives would be connected. And I just began to realize what an amazing thought that is, that your life isn't just just for you. Your life isn't just in the moment. It's not disconnected accidents and circumstances, but it's a thread in a larger tapestry that God is weaving, connecting us to one another for his glory, for his purposes, guided by his promises. So it made me stop and go like, well, what is my life setting up for others? What is your life setting up for others? If there is an and to someone else's story and you're the one before that, like how are you setting them up? Are you leaving them baggage? Are you still living out of things that your parents and grandparents gave you in their history, in their decisions, right? Or is there freedom and blessing? Are, are, like our lives are meant to be part of a larger story that God is weaving. And it's not just what God is doing in his person, but we're connected to one another. And that's what you say. Like, and it came to pass that Moses died. Moses' death was a significant moment for Joshua. So what is Joshua's life following? Here we see this in verse two. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Joshua's moment 
kind of step forward to be the leader, to have the spotlight follows the death of the greatest leader Israel has ever known. That's worth considering too. Moses was revered for generations as being the person who helped lead Israel out of slavery. There was no other man of God, no other prophet like Moses who saw the power and the miracle and the glory of God like he did. There was no other one that stood face to face, toe to toe with Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at that time. There was no other person that spoke to God as one speaks to a friend. Moses received the 10 commandments. He received the law at Sinai. We see these amazing qualities. He wandered, he led Israel for 40 years in the wilderness just to the point where they would get into the promised land and then he passed. And this is the moment for Joshua. And it's not just the prominence of Moses that Joshua has now been thrust into to follow, but it's the loss of Moses. Moses was a national hero, but for Joshua, he was a spiritual father. There's this loss that he's experiencing. I mean, there's no way he could have seen that this is the moment for him where he's truly going to step forward and be used by God. It's in the loss and in the death of his mentor. Having another lunch. I had some great lunches this past week. Having lunch with a couple friends, one of them began to think back on his life. He's 50 years old. And he said, man, when I was 20, if you could have looked at my life when I was 20, if you could have looked at the circumstances that I was in, if you could have looked at the decisions that I was making, there's no way that I could have predicted I would be where I am now. I I couldn't have tied these events together to say those situations 30 years ago would have led to this. I I just couldn't have, I couldn't have seen it. He goes, "I, I have a family I have a career. That's not where my life was headed when I was 20. It was this, it's just so unexpected. It, it, it's so unpredictable, the circumstances that God begins to use in our lives, the transitions that he begins to walk us through. For Joshua, it's a life without Moses. It's your life without a spouse, without a parent without a close friend. It's this transition that where when faith was easier because of the people around you and now they're not there and now you've got to go deeper. You've got to trust more deeply into something and you don't have the same kind of support. It's the same people aren't in place. This is the transition, right? Getting from here to there, the transitions that we always navigate, getting from here to there is rarely a straight line. Have you seen that in your own life? To begin to look back and go like, how did I end up here? I shouldn't think that circumstance, even the difficult ones, would have put me in this place. Life is filled with changes, detours, moments when things aren't going great, when you drop out of school, when your health fails, when your marriage hurts, when your company lets you go. And there are certainly moments when it feels like you're a feather just getting bounced. 
And what Joshua's story is this, there's something underneath it though, something more true, something holding it together, and it's a promise. It's a promise. What's the promise? Genesis chapter 17, verse 8. It shows up many times prior to Joshua, but this is just one of those examples. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 8, just listen. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after me, and I will be their God. This is why God brought Israel out of Egypt. This is why their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness after expressing their faithlessness to go into the promised land, God didn't get rid of them because there's a promise that's in place, a promise that he gave Abraham centuries ago that is still intact, that is still in play. And Abraham didn't know how it was all going to happen. He didn't know the circumstances in which this land would become a land for his people, a place where God would bless, a nation that God would grow. But Abraham didn't have all of that. But Abraham, what he had was a promise that God had made that he would establish it, that God's power and sovereign, sovereign ability would show up in a land that would bless he and his family. And so that promise throughout Genesis now is being reminded in Joshua's ear as God speaks to him in Joshua chapter one, verse three, I will give you every place where you set your foot, Joshua, as I promised Moses, as I promised Abraham, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. You know, of course, Joshua's got to be terrified of what he's about to do. Scared and unsure. All this change. He's in the exact same spot he was in 40 years ago under Moses. And the people were too afraid to go into the promised land then. Now they don't even have Moses. How is this going to work out? Because there's a promise in place. Joshua has to be wondering, is Israel's faithlessness, has it changed the promises of God? And the answer is no. It's no. If there were ever circumstances to produce, produce fear and inadequacy, these are them. But God says, be strong and be courageous because my promise is greater than the circumstance. My promise is greater than the circumstance that what God is doing will not fail. And if your life and my life are connected to the promises of God, you will not fail either. You won't fail because God's promises are prevailing. God's promises are still intact. That's how the book opens in all of its unexpected circumstance, in all of its difficulty, in all of its loss, in everything that's happening in Joshua that would cause him to shrink back. God says, I promise this. I swore to this. This will happen. Be strong and courageous. He charges him to be strong and courageous because there's a promise in place. He's not just saying, I want you to be strong and courageous because I just want you to. Just kind of find that within you, kind of get yourself going, motivate yourself. No, there's a promise in place that continues to prevail. And this is what we get to experience. This is what our hope is too, is that when all of God's promises, right, the keeping of them, they seem strange. The circumstances that when, what we walk through, we can't understand why am I going through these hardships, these difficulties, this loss, we can still trust. Our lives, our lives can still be anchored to something deep 
and enduring. And it's the power and the promise of God. I want to wrap up with this. To give you this idea that the promise of God is not just giving Israel land. It was, it was more than geography. It wasn't just a, a particular physical area that God's people, the promise of land was the promise of a home. It was, it was the promise of rest. Rest. I'll, I'll, let me steal from next week just a little bit. Verse 13. Joshua 1.13 says, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. God's promise, what's underneath the promise, again, it's not geography in as much as it's rest, is that the people of God could go into a place and have a home, could, wouldn't be slaves, wouldn't be dealing with the rigors of work in and work all the time, but could find a place where they could just enter in and experience. But the problem over Israel, just to give you a bit of a spoiler, they had mixed results in the land. That there were successes, but then there were failures, And the failures came because their hearts began to wander. Because they went into the land and they began to lose their first love. They began to lose their devotion to God. They began to find themselves enamored with other gods and other idols. And when they did that, we realized that it wasn't just the people that went in, but their sin went in with them. And the issue of sin began to create problems for them where they became wayward and began to wander again. Even in the land, their hearts began to wander. And so God allowed outside nations to come in and to oppress and to occupy. And in those moments when those outside nations are there, when you're being occupied because of your idolatry and disobedience, you could wonder, is God's promise to give his people rest gone? Like, have we blown it enough? That the promise of rest, the promise of home for God's people is now null and void And the writer of Hebrews says in chapter four, verse one, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. What he's saying is that all of this, he's saying that the land promises were fulfilled in another way. The land promise were fulfilled in Jesus, who God is providing a permanent place of rest in, a permanent home for us. The land was never the focus of the Lord. Instead, our Lord is forever the focus of the land. The land was to tell us something better, something eternal, something that our souls needed, not just a physical rest in a land and a home, but that we could enter into an eternal relationship with God and have peace. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. It's like in all of that muddled history and all those moments where you thought we were successful and then we pulled back and then we did something great and then sin came along and we, we, got, we got wayward again. The writer of Hebrews is saying that God did something so significant in Jesus that rest is still available for all those who enter into it by faith, who have a faith crossing. Joshua's name means God is my salvation. God is salvation. Joshua, the Greek, the Greek name of Joshua is Jesus. It's the same name, Joshua and Jesus. In fact, Jesus gets his name about salvation in Matthew chapter 21, as Jesus is given the name by God and says, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
Not just save them to enter into the land. That's not our biggest enemy. He needs to save us from what's happening in here that makes us wayward even when we're home. And so Jesus comes and he gives us rest and he gives us peace. And this promise of rest will be provided through the true Joshua, through the better Joshua, Jesus. As Jesus looks at the crowd and he looks at us and his words are still true. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. He says, make your home in me, abide in me, and your life will be incredibly fruitful. Jesus relocates us from a certain place of geography to himself because Jesus deals with the thing that made our hearts wander, that made us stray from our home. He dealt with sin. Jesus is the better Joshua. And the promise of entering rest, as Hebrew writer says, is still present. He says, there was Joshua and Israel, they didn't experience the true rest that we were meant to have. But the writer says, today you can. The promise is for today. For each one of us who are willing to trust what Jesus has done for us on the cross as the place for us to cross into faith. I think about our lives and the circumstances and the hardships, kind of those unexpected places that we find ourselves in. Listen, there was nothing more difficult, more unexpected, more surprising than the Son of God on the cross. There was nothing that should, have, uh, that should create more concern if the promises of God are still intact than Jesus on the cross. And yet, when those circumstances were the worst, when things were most confusing, most difficult, God was doing his best work. And as Christ gave his life on the cross, what we find is now our faith in him provides our souls finally a home and a place of rest. God's been true to his promise from the very beginning to give his people a place, a place of rest, a home. Jesus even said this, I'm going I'm going to go prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back. And so that we can always be together, that our lives will never be separated again. This is the hope that we have. This is the promise that is still true. This morning, I want to give us a chance to reflect in that a little bit longer. And I want to move us towards a time where we can remember Christ's sacrifice, this great work that he did not just to, to save us from our sins on the cross by observing the Lord's supper. So hopefully you have one of these. And in just a moment after I pray, I'm going to turn it back to the Cove campus and let them experience and remember Christ's sacrifice there. And we're going to do that here. And so let me just pray for us as we just open up this series and hopefully our hearts begin to stir within us for this thing that God is offering us, that he has promised for those who believe place of rest. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment where we could just come alongside, we could come alongside Joshua and see the challenges. Sense the worry. What a task. And yet you say, be strong and courageous because God is faithful. Because God has promised because God's plan is still prevailing. 
And I pray that for each person as we begin to think about Christ's sacrifice, that from the very beginning, it was planned. From the very beginning, Jesus came not just to give us a home, but a home in him, a way for our hearts to be free, a way for them not to continually wander, a way to deal with our sin. And it was his courage and his strength and his faithfulness on the cross that provided a way for each person who believes to cross over from death to life, from sin to righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, that you were the true Joshua. Help us, Lord, in the places that we're at right now, in uncertainties that we feel maybe even in the sense of loss that we've experienced. To believe your word and to believe your promises again that that they are true, that there's a plan for each life. And our connecting point is to be connected to Christ. Have our lives so connected to him that we would find rest and peace and a home. Lord, as we celebrate you and remember you in this act of worship, God, I pray that it would honor you and I pray it would so connect us more deeply that when we leave here, that God, our lives would be changed to know you and to trust you even more deeply. And it's in your name we pray, amen.